Hi, I'm Ant Williams, business psychologist and Guinness World Record holding freediver. For the past two decades, I've been obsessed with a single question. How do the best leaders attract great people and build a culture that delivers results? This podcast is a record of the insights from my work with hundreds of leaders and conversations with experts in pursuit of the answer to this question. For the lifelong learner who wants to give their own leadership a boost, we reveal the universal principles that can be applied by any leader to drive consistently higher performance in their team. Welcome to the Leadership Deep Dive. Terry, what would you say if I said to you I could free up an hour of your time every day by making you more personally productive? How would you use that extra hour a day? I'd probably read a book. That's what I'd do. That's awesome. You'd read a book. I would. That's not normal, by the way. I know it's not normal. Well, I love that. I love that because it's that that's personal learning and development and that would be a really good use of that time but it's not what most people say most people when i ask them that question say to me oh how good would that be i would actually get into my emails and i'd try to get down an email zero in my inbox yeah that'd be amazing i don't get it yeah i know i don't get it it's like i I get a dopamine hit in my brain every time I tick off an item in my to-do list or I, I, I mark an email as read and responded to and I'm now down to I've, I've, I've replied to all of them. There's just this innate feeling of achievement when I do it. But is it really achievement? And, and is it a good goal to just finish off all this really small, minute rats in my stuff and feeling like I'm being effective? And that's at the heart of this conversation. I want to talk about what truly is personal productivity. Because in my mind, it's not getting through all the list of items to do on a task list or freeing ourselves up from email, but it's actually delivering outcomes, getting results by focusing on the things that make the biggest difference or move us forward in the fastest time. Mm. And I've heard, it, I've heard it put another way as well, which sort of adds to that, which is, What's the one thing I can do today that makes everything else easier or irrelevant? Um, yeah, that's then, the, that, that comes from that one big thing book from Gary Keller. Is that what you're talking about? It might be, yeah. I'm not sure, but um, I like that idea, right? Because mm. you're actually thinking about what you're working on as opposed to just working on what's in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very focused and deliberate yeah. in how you go about it. Yeah. Yeah, but do you also agree about this idea of the dopamine fix where simply getting through things is more important than what we get through? A hundred percent. And here's the thing, like it's like we've all gotten worse. Like our technology is kind of hacking our biology in this way because we seek dopamine because dopamine helps us feel a sense of like it's almost like it doesn't feel us help us feel pleasure. It helps us feel motivated. It wants it helps you to want to do something is that the reason that when i jump on instagram and i start scrolling i just keep scrolling for ages and ages and ages and then realize what am i what am i scrolling for they call it variable reward it's the most addictive kind of property of any thing i saw a, a tiktok video of this the other day and just people a bunch of people on the pokey machines and they're just like pushing the button endlessly just pushing a button and it's just seeking variable reward to get a dopamine fix because I think if you have that long list and the, and the in, inbox zero, it's actually about mood repair. It's not about productivity. Yeah, it's not about productivity. It's about mood repair. I like that. It's a good way to think about it. So the, the, 
like the topic of personal productivity or, or using your time wisely, time management has been around for so long. So many books written. I remember the original masterpiece that came out by Stephen Covey about the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. You remember that chestnut? Yep. I often say to people, hey, who's read seven habits of highly effective people? And like all these hands go up. I go, great. Leave your hand up if you're doing any of the seven <laughs> behaviors. Then <laughs> all the hands go down. People are like, well, what were the seven? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, we kind of forgotten. And we're, I think you're right with technology. It's made it harder for us to be really focused. Yeah. We've also, I think we're kind of wired to look at what's proximal and mistake that for what's important. Whatever's so close to me is what's most important. And we ignore what's further away. Uh, and what's further away usually is the thing that's more important. So back when Stephen Covey put out his book, I know that there was another model or framework that was really powerful back then. And I think it still gets used today, but I'm going to reference it because of how important it was and getting people to think differently about how they use their time. It was called the Eisenhower Matrix. And it said that there's these two dimensions that you need to consider when it comes to any item that you're thinking of investing your time into. One being how urgent something is and the other dimension being how important it is. And it gave us this four quadrant model of things that were either super urgent and really important, ergo crisis, and I must respond immediately, to things that were either... Like they were not that urgent, but they were really important. Mm. And we talked about planned productivity. That's where we want to spend our time and planned productivity where I'm not working in a way that's urgent, but I'm working in a way that's that's really planned and my and productive. So it could be things like I'm investing time networking, building my relationships with others. I'm I'm thinking strategically along the longer term and, and all these behaviors that if I if I carve out time for them as a leader, I become more effective. And I think that that had some really good groundings for how to think about identifying that some things are literally really, really important, but sometimes we get carried away with things that uh, uh, what, what I think was referred to as an urgency addiction. Remember that phrase, urgency addiction, where yeah. we kind of go, oh, the phone's ringing. I better answer it immediately. Otherwise, it'll stop ringing. So it's urgently and addictive. Yeah. Or, or I just I, we get busy with busy work. Yeah. And this is classic. I think the Eisenhower Matrix is a fantastic tool, really useful for figuring out what is the important stuff for me to work on and to ignore the urgent stuff to prioritize for it helps you prioritize a lot. But the big gap that I see is what happens after that. And it's generally nothing. Um, it goes on the list and then people say, I just don't have time to do that stuff. And I hear this all the time. I'm not sure if you do, but people are like, Oh, I just, my calendar's already full. It's full with other people's meetings. I just, I just get my time gets monopolized. You ever heard that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I say, yeah, whose fault do you reckon that is? <laughs> They're yeah. like, well, it's their fault. They keep booking in my calendar. <laughs> I'm like, but who's in control of your calendar? Yeah, but if someone's leading, then they're going to get interruptions all the time and requests on the on their time. There's always these demands that somewhere in your control, and and people often think, oh, but most of them are not in my control. Do you know what it sh- it shows me? It shows me how short term you're thinking, uh, because if you're thinking a week, two, three, four weeks out, you've got stuff in your calendar then, and if you put it there then guess what can't happen? People can't put stuff in there at the same time. There's this yeah. concept called Parkinson's law, right, which is work expands so as to fill the time allotted to it. If you're wait, wait, say that again. Parkinson's law, what is it? Parkinson's law is the idea that work expands so as to fill the time allotted to it. Okay, so that's really interesting. So, so the more free time I have to do work, I'm going to fill it with other busy work. So here's how it looks, right? Let's say I've got you need to get a report to me mm. and I say you've got two weeks to get this report. How long will it take you? 
Ah, uh, yeah, two It'll weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> if I say I need the same report, I say I need this report by tomorrow. How long will it take you? Yeah, well, I'll have to hustle. You'll get I'll, it done in a day, right? Get it done in a day. So what happens is people don't actually block that time in their calendar, so it's empty. So guess how it gets filled with other people's priorities. <laughs> And so if your calendar's full of other people's priorities, it's indicative that you haven't looked out far enough to block that time out. And if you don't know exactly what you're going to be working on, that's okay. But you said it before, planned productivity doesn't happen unless you time block for it. So for me, it has to be for me like a cadence of or a rhythm where I'm like, for us, we block a whole Wednesday out. Wednesday is all about production. It's all about sprints. So people can't, people can't block that in. It's just empty. In fact, that was one of the best pieces of advice I got early on in my career was block out two hours uh, on a Friday each week just for that planned productivity, just for thinking ahead, for planning, for deep focused time where you, you don't actually have to deliver or produce anything. You think about how am I leading? How's my team going? Mm. What else could I be doing to be more effective? Am I ready for the next month or two months ahead? How's my calendar looking? What I need to be mindful of or aware of or budgeting for, resourcing around, having that set time because if I don't place it in my calendar as a recurring event. That's the that last part. <laughs> yeah, that's the key taken. point. Make it a recurring event. Yeah, but sometimes yeah. someone just comes in and smashes it anyway and says, hey, look, uh, Ant, I just need um, to block you in over that time. I see you've got something in there. That's not important, is it? Can I just book over it? Yeah, so what do you do in this scenario? I, I kind of yield. Do you? Sometimes. Well, I think it's good to yield sometimes. But this is probably the next skill, isn't it? If you would, Whatever you say yes to, you say no to something else. And if you're saying yes to that person, you're saying no to the plan of next week. Yeah, you're so right. It's all about choices. Now you're on the back foot all mm. next week, right? That's right. So by saying yes to them, you're saying no to next week. Yeah. So how do you say no? Well... <laughs> either have set boundaries that are really clearly articulated around those times or I get good at going, okay, I'll see if on this occasion I can move that two hours to the morning. And and rather than like lose it for the week, I maybe move, move it around. around. Yeah. In the scenario where you can't do that, um, you do need to be able to push back at times too though, don't you? I think so. And you know what I've noticed is that especially when I work with people who are working as first line managers frontline it's their first time is that they tend to work after hours they do longer hours than they need to they're working at five or six seven o'clock at night or working weekends and that's okay for a while because they want to impress people and demonstrate that they're working really hard and that you've made the right decision by believing that i can be a frontline leader and putting me into this role and then what happens is they start to get really resentful they start to go this place this place puts so much burden on me. This role is so unfair. I'm having to do all these hours. But actually, it's not because the organization or their manager is requiring them to do all these extra hours. It's because they haven't figured out how to prioritize well. It's, so rather than being angry at the organization or at your manager, it's on you to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And think about, think about what it communicates to the person if you keep yielding. What you're doing in that time block isn't that important, is it? That's right. Um, but what does it communicate if you do reinforce that boundary? This person's disciplined, they have good habits, and they respect themselves. Yes. And, and everyone so, wants to work with a leader like that. That is leadership. So for me, I think it's going to be you look ahead the next week and you say, look, I've got three slots on Monday. You can have any of those. Will any of those work? Can we address it then? Yeah, good. And if they say, no, it absolutely has to be done today, 
you'll say, okay, cool. So how do I reprioritize these things that are important for me? I like this. So yeah. um, I, I like that we've got already to something really actionable. Mm. What, what else can we do or in order to become more personally effective in managing our time? The other thing I think is, and this is something I've had to learn, is that blocking something out with a vague title versus being really specific about what's happening in there. So let's say I'm working on a project and the project's a big project, maybe take me a week. I won't label it as the project. I won't say working on proposal. I will say proposal intro, mm-hmm. proposal slide one, because that gives me a sense of accomplishment. You know, that dopamine addiction we talked about before. A sense Harness of it for achieving yourself. something. Harness yes, it for good. getting some momentum. So if I know, hey, I've got that done, now I'm actually taking that instinct and pointing it to good (laughs) you you know i like this idea so much it's a simple idea but it reminds me of that idea the domino effect that gary keller talks about in the book the one big thing so he talks about how if you had a domino and you and you toppled it over and it hit the next domino the domino that it can push over can be twice as large as that first domino yep and then that second domino it in turn can knock over a domino twice the size of itself Mm -hmm. and and it's and then if you, I think he said like if you, once you get to sort of a, like, I don't know, I can't remember the number. It's like small, like 14 dominoes. It's yeah. already like the size of the Eiffel Tower or something ridiculous. That's because the relationship is nonlinear. Yeah. It's exponential, this relationship that everything topples over something twice as large after it. Um, and I think that when I look around, around us, there's lots of examples of things around us that are exponential in nature. For example, when solar power first came out, the cost of putting solar panels on your roof was extremely expensive and it delivered almost nothing in terms of power. Ugh. But then today, they're relatively cheap and the amount of power they produce is massive. And now we're talking about shifts away from fossil fuels to solar. And that's in a good example of exponential growth. Technology, we're seeing exponential growth. Yet, when it comes to us delivering our own outputs, we think it's linear. We think it's all one for one. How much time I've got, this is the rate that I work, so therefore it's linear. And I think if we're being really mindful about the things, the one big thing that I do in my calendar today around that project and the one big thing is going to be writing the intro. And then the next thing tomorrow, once I've toppled that first one, it's good. Now I've got some momentum and I'm going to be able to topple over the, um, uh, I don't know, the scope document part of it, whatever it's going to be. Then we can build this momentum. We can be planned and getting other people involved with their parts and, and we can deliver it in a more of an exponential growth way than rather than linear. And I think if you do that the right way, you build that sense of momentum quicker and you you can almost sort of, there's this concept of like peak end rule. You know, the last mile of a marathon, sometimes the runner's fastest. It's because you're like, oh, I'm close to the finish line. Let's get this thing happening. <laughs> and so you really want yeah. to just game your own biology till you get to the point where you can see the finish line. Game your own biology. I love it. So actually be really conscious about how you fill out your calendar in order to create this this biology hack where it gives you the dopamine feed and reward for achieving small things that are like the domino effect, right? Where they're so deliberate, but they're knocking over something that pushes you towards a bigger outcome and builds that momentum. What, what do you think about that idea that a lot of people say, when you come in in the morning, knock over the hardest stuff first? I like that idea with a caveat. If the hard thing isn't the important thing, because you just don't, you just find it hard, 
but it's it doesn't really move anything forward and I would ignore it and go to the thing. You're focused. I love it. <laughs> okay, so really getting back to that, is it the right thing for me to be doing? Yeah, and I don't think there's I don't think there's a rule for that. Like you really just have to think about it. Yeah. What is the highest leverage task for me now today? Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett's a fantastic example of this, right? If you don't know Warren Buffett, Google him. He says, I would be lucky if I make one decision a day and I defend the rest of the day for that decision. Because I want to make sure that the decision I make is a good one because that's actually the most important thing for me. So um, so, so to make one good decision, he's got to do a lot of reading, a lot of pondering, yep. a lot of thinking. I remember when I first joined a, a consultancy firm, it was about my third day in and I'd been asked to design a program. And I sat there with a pencil in hand and a blank notepad and I was just thinking. And I remember probably a good 20 minutes went by us. Maybe you just scribbled a couple of things on the page, spit of staring out the window. The girl next to me, she leans over and she goes, hey, listen, mate, if you're going to get by around here and succeed, you're going to have to pick up the pace. Oh, busy is important. <laughs> busy is important. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, I better doodle faster and scribble Do- down more notes. Ooh. Do you know what I like about that story? <laughs> it's a really good demonstration of how cultural norms that whole cultural norm of like busyness busyness yeah, business yeah. you, you actually create drama unnecessary drama and it's because you want to appear busy i see a, a lot of this happening where it's like oh yeah this this is going on and all of a sudden all, all battle stations and you're like are you just doing this because you're not busy and you want to appear, <laughs> you want to appear like like things are important yeah, but do you think that this stuff holds relevance in in certain environments like that are, you know, we've spoken in another video about like a pace setting environment, like in healthcare, or maybe you're in emergency services or you're in a busy professional services firm and things are going at a fast pace. Do you think that we can still apply those same principles of effectiveness or are you have to going to be, are you inevitably going to be a victim of your circumstance where there's so many demands on your time and patients requiring you and pulling you in different directions and nurses on your your ward wanting your time that you just have to respond rather than being what I think you're talking about, which is very deliberate, very measured, very planned. Yeah, your environment's huge. But like how do you, if you're looking to progress and if you watch that progression, you'll see that the the way people manage time is different in all those things. As in when you talk progression about people who are in more senior roles? Yeah, that's right. They've figured something out, haven't they? It's always about are you prioritizing the right thing? And so I feel like it's almost even more important that you work on the right things there because if you don't, how are you going to get to the next part? So we've touched on a couple of really crucial points. I want to recap on where we're up to. So we've touched on consciously filling your calendar Mm. to create time that you protect, that it's your planned productivity moments and they should be at least a couple of hours long each week so that you can really be mindful about how you're getting ready for the weeks, the months, the days ahead. Yep. We've talked about the domino effect of of trying to make sure that you put in small pieces of really focused but super important work and that you fill your calendar with those first so that you're you're doing the, the you're putting your main effort and focus into the areas which can deliver you the greatest value in terms of outcomes and output. And then you're ferociously defending your time and getting rid of the things that sap your energy and time. And you know what? I put 
email into that bucket rather than getting rid of all the email what do we like, we've got to talk about it right we've got to broach this topic of email and go well how do i think about then if i get a lot of emails a day and i remember asking a group once of senior leaders guys how many emails do you get a day and the first lady she says i get 100 a day i was like wow that's a lot and then the lady next to her goes i get 300 a day and this bloke at the other end of the room who was a who was a very senior guy running a team uh, in investment banking he goes i've had 1200 already today we're like lunchtime <laughs> never i was cracking up with this guy and he had all these alerts set up for all the different stocks and things that he's looking at. And that guy's had a heart attack by now. I would think he's probably had a heart yeah. attack. Yeah. But, but, so we, but it's a good example, right, where he could be in control of it, but he chooses not to be. Yeah. So what do we do with email? What's, give me one simple bit of advice on how to manage my, cal- uh, my email consciously. Jeez, oh, I don't know if I'm the bike to, to give you advice on email. Because you've got, got 1,835. Oh, well, emails. I'm not going to ask you at all. That's terrible. <laughs> but, but, but interestingly, but you're not fast. You're not worried about trying to get it to zero. So that's interesting of its own right. Whereas I'm more one of those people who would like to get it to zero and feel a little, a little uncomfortable when it's not. Well, maybe this is where... So I think about that concept of antelopes versus field mice. Antelopes versus field mice. This is not where I thought the conversation was going. <laughs> so it's a way to think about the best use of your time at the, at the time. And it's it's a former Speaker of the US House of Reps, I think, Newt Gintrix, Gingrich, I think is his name. Um, and he talked about this idea. And he was basically saying, you know, a lion can subsist on field mice for a period of time, but there's the caloric cost of going to get that field mice versus what it gives you, you actually end up in a small deficit. So if the lion only hunts field mice, it slowly starves to death. What it should do is ignore the field mice and go and hunt one antelope. And that's kind of how I think about email. So I'm looking at emails going, is it an antelope email or is it a field mice? So you're filtering those emails and only responding to the ones that are the most important. Yeah. And I know I, I usually do a version of that. I, mm. I, uh, if anyone copies me in, like I'm in the CC line, I ignore it. Yeah. And I tell people though, yeah, you know, it's all about communication. I said, if you copy me into an email, I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Because copy just means for your information. Yeah. Uh, and so if I'm on an email list, then I'm going to ignore it unless it's really important or vital to me. I'll read the subject line, but that's about it. Yeah. And the other thing you can do is about setting an etiquette with your team. So an etiquette means that you get your team and you go, like, and I've done this once, I looked through, I was getting 100 emails a day. And when I looked through, the majority were from my own team. And so it's, I got my team into a room and said, hey guys, I'm getting way too much emails. Does anyone else feel like this? And you know what? We're all creating our own emails. So here's the thing. If I'm out of the office, I'm, if I'm with a client, then you're not allowed to email me. And the team were like, no way. That's, you can't do that. We have to be able to email you. How can we get in touch with you? I'm like, well, I'm not responding to those emails anyway because I'm out with a client. So if I'm out for the day, then uh, I'll tell you what, you're not allowed to email me, but you are allowed to phone me if it's really important. Yeah. 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 And so we eventually everyone agreed to that. Yeah. How many phone calls do you reckon I got? Not many. None. Yep. Yeah. No one called me. Yeah. <laughs> and what it meant is that they just had to figure stuff out for themselves yeah. or they held it until I was back in the office. And it's a far more effective way of working than just letting people's email load up. So unless we're deliberate about these things, then it'll just go on, it'll perpetuate. And we've got to get out of that notion that it's outside of our control and we've got to bring everything back to our control as best we can. It's almost like, um, like a news mentality because it's news, it's important, right? And that's how I think about email, right? 
if it's not an antelope for me, I think about it as news. I don't watch the news because if it's really important, you'll probably ask me about it. You'll talk about it. You'll be talking about it. Um, You're a unique guy, Terry. <laughs> don't watch the news. Come on. I thought everyone watched the news. I, I really don't. Um, but if it's really, really important, everyone's going to be talking about it, right? So if I filter it the first time and I miss something that's really important, I'll probably get asked about it and I'll be like, oh, I missed it. Um, And I think you're half training people as well. Like you're just not going to be, I'm not going to be responsive if you send me junk. Um, That's a, I think that's important. You are training people. Good. Okay. So the message there being uh, just like your calendars and managing your calendar deliberately, you've got to manage your email inbox deliberately. And that doesn't mean reading everything. It means setting up those filters or tags and mm. and really just getting involved with what you need to get involved with um and there's this there's this great um I, I think it's a buddhist monk came up with this quote and uh i don't know the name of that buddhist monk but he said if things are within your control then why would you worry about them if things are out of your control then why would you worry about them <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's a beautiful way to sum up this conversation around personal productivity because it is about what you pay attention to and where you're going to put your effort mm. so look back in your calendar if you're listening to this look back in your calendar for the last two weeks and get at the good old eisenhower matrix of urgent versus important and see what well see where you've spent the majority of your time over the last two weeks which quadrant was it in um, did you spend enough ten, time in plan productivity? Did you really tackle the big things that are going to make the difference? That one big thing is it highly represented in how you've invested your time in the last two weeks? Because the last two weeks is probably quite indicative of how you're going to spend the next two weeks in terms of the way that you approach your calendar management. So we hope you get some good ideas to take away from this podcast and 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 go and try just a couple of these ideas. Get your emails sorted or get your calendar to be sort of filled out far more deliberately. And we think that what you'll find is by doing these simple things, you will actually create that extra hour for yourself per day of freed up time. And like Terry, I hope you use it to do something amazing, like something for yourself, like reading a book or getting some time back with a family or doing something highly productive to move yourself forward. Remember, if you don't manage your time, you'll never get the most out of your talent.